You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Our beloved pastor and his family, they have one week remaining on their sabbatical. If you've remembered this week to pray for them, I know they've felt that. If you haven't yet, take some time this week to extend some special prayer to our pastor, to Lauren, to the girls, that they would be refreshed and rejuvenated this time. Our brother Mark is going to cover the pulpit for us this morning. Mark, we're excited to hear from you. Thank you. Um, I think you've been here since, like, the church plant times, right? Since kind of the beginning. I think it's me. Yes, yeah. it's maybe the beginning. Well, we're excited to hear from you. Mark is a director of a local ministry, Ride Nature, um, and we're excited for you to open the word. So Thank let's you. give him a hand. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Um, I am a dad also. I have three little girls, and I thought, what better way to start the sermon than with a couple dad jokes? So I just made these up, actually, so they're going to be pretty, pretty bad. So um, I was just thinking, you guys saw Jose, who was up here reading, real strong guy, and if you've met Bill, you've seen him. And uh, for anyone that's watching online, my hope and prayer is that I will look as strong as those guys <laughs> through the video. I think that if those guys in the back can do that. And then the last joke, I'm sorry, I already shared one that was bad, but... Um, the last one is on Mother's Day, they gave everybody flowers, but today, all the dads on your way out, you guys get cookies, or we get cookies, so we can continue to work on our dad bots. So, <laughs> sorry, that's all I have. I'm excited to be here this morning. My dad is also here, which is awesome, getting to celebrate with him, and they just moved back to Southwest Florida, and um, we also have some people who are visiting. So Ride Nature, if you guys haven't heard or I haven't had the chance to introduce or share with you what we do, we're an action sports mission organization. And action sports, many people are like, what is that? And we tell them, we're like, it's, we use skateboarding and surfing as a tool for ministry. And the first response generally I get is people say, oh, is that your job? <laughs> and I say, yeah, it's my job. It is my job. In fact, we actually have 20 full-time staff that are spread out between here in California and Nicaragua. And um, believe it or not, it's like the dream job. We get to use something that God has given us a passion for to share the love of Jesus with kids all around the world. And we have a couple that's here today that are from Nicaragua that are here visiting. We have our director of missions who came to just hang out today. And we also have some friends that are visiting from Canada that are praying about being a part of the ministry also. And um, one of the things that we uh, were talking about last night with a couple of friends is we have been putting out this film series to kind of share what God is doing in the world through action sports. And we hear people say this all the time, you need to promote this more. They say, you need to share it more. And so on Wednesday, we have an episode. This is episode 15. This is the 15th video we've put out. And um, from different stories, from different trips, this was a trip that I got to lead in February to Brazil. And we brought a filmer, and we documented the story of what God is doing in Brazil. And uh, we have a little trailer I'm going to show you. And, and the statistics in this trailer, I want you guys to pay attention because the guy speaking is sharing in Portuguese. But look at the number of the statistics. And this is just for Brazil. And hopefully this will give you a look into the world that we are doing ministry in. Pelo menos um skate park é construído a cada mês no Brasil. Hoje existem mais de 8,5 milhões de skatistas. Tudo que eu, que eu sonhei aconteceu. Eu viajei para muitos lugares do mundo. O skate tava, tinha dominado minha cabeça. Eu tava... Skateboarders started coming. Carlos lived across the street. And I was like, hey, Carlos, you should really come check this out. Então, Deus estava me preparando para isso. Né? Procurando na, na, aprender com as escrituras. E, 
even in the prime of his career and in a family, it was almost he's like at the crossroads of his life. Like, it's only a matter of time. 8.5 million skateboarders. This blew my mind. I knew that there was a lot of skateboarders in Brazil. And, and when we got there, we met with that guy who um, was doing the voiceover. And he said, yeah, they build a new skate park every month in Brazil. There's over 2,000 skate parks in this country alone. And um, the ministry that we're doing is 100% focused on getting to share the good news with kids who typically don't have people going after them. And so uh, that is what we do. We have an office in downtown Fort Myers that has a coffee shop underneath of it. If you guys ever want to come and check it out, we would love to have you stop by there to get to share with you more. That video comes out on Wednesday, and if you go to To The Ends Film, you can watch it. We would love to have you check it out. But I'm so excited to get to be here. To be honest, the thing that really excites me the most every Sunday morning is to see how our church is growing and to see more and more people coming in. And our prayer and hope is that more people are coming in because we are a church who is living out the gospel and sharing the gospel with the people around us. And from the overflow of our heart, our mouth is speaking and people are coming to know Jesus. And as a result, the church is growing. Amen. That's our prayer. But one of the things that we believe at Fort Myers Community Church is that it is not enough to just come and attend on Sunday morning. That if you come and you walk in the doors and you walk out and you never get to experience living in Christian community, you are missing out. And so I will just say this again. I know Jose shared this, but we would love to have you guys be a part of a community group. We would love to have you come and participate and get to reflect and talk about the things that I'm gonna share today. Because the reality is, without that, we just participate in hearing and walking away and never really being vulnerable and being open to the things that God is showing us and revealing us. We miss out on the opportunity to serve and love one another how Christ is intended. And so I also lead a community group. I think we have like maybe six or eight community groups. Our community group's growing to the point that um, we would love to have you come, but we were just joking with a couple of friends on the way in. I think if there's any kids in this room that are under the age of 10, half of them are in our community group. We have 26 kids in our community group under the age of 10. So it is a little hectic, but um, it's amazing and it's a great opportunity. And to be honest, there is a seriousness um, in us getting to stand up here and to stand before you guys and to preach. And to be honest, every time Bill asks me, I get a little anxious and a little nervous because it's a responsibility that we as a church don't hold in light regard. We think that there's an importance of shepherding people and standing before you and, and talking about the word. And it's one that, um, as I've been preparing for this message to share today, to be honest, all I'm going to do is share with you what God has been showing me. As I've been reading and praying, I get to just share what God has been showing me and revealing to me, and then hopefully my hope and prayer is that you guys will leave here today and then get to go into community and talk about what God is showing you and that it'll encourage each other. So I'm gonna pray, and then I actually get to introduce, we're kicking off a new sermon series today. So Jesus, Lord, God, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in freedom. Lord, that uh, this is a privilege that I think we take for granted far too often. Lord, I thank you that you have opened our eyes, that you've saved us, that you've given us a building to protect us from the rain this morning. God, that you are growing your church. And at the end of the day, Lord, we know that this is all in you and through you and for you. So, Lord, we pray that you will speak through me, speak through your word, speak through the quotes that we'll share from people who we know that you were inspiring to write those things. And God, I pray that you encourage our hearts to follow you in everything that we say and do. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
So if you haven't already caught this, my wife Shannon tells me I speak really fast when I'm up here. And so normally when I share, it's really quick. So today I actually just packed in a lot. So we're gonna talk about a lot, which will make the sermon a little longer. But um, the good thing is, is that all the sports are over right now. So none of you dads are rushing to get out of here to watch any games. Um, so the new sermon series is called God, Our God is Unsearchable. And when I first heard that, I was like, unsearchable doesn't really sound like the best thing, right? Our God is unsearchable. We can't search him. And, um, but the reality is, as I started to dive into that thought and that concept, it is so true. And the, and the series and the theme for the series comes in Psalms 145.3. If you guys have a Bible, you can turn there. But it says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Our God is unsearchable, his mercy is unsearchable, his grace is unfathomable, like as we sang today that God would save someone that we didn't work for, we didn't earn, there's nothing we did to be saved, yet God extends his grace to us. His power is unattainable, and today we're gonna read about a psalm that King David wrote, and that he says his goodness is so wild that he would prepare a table before our enemies. We would get the VIP treatment. Um, there's a lady, Evelyn Underhill, in the late 1800s, she wrote this quote, she said this, if God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough for us to worship, amen? That we have such finite minds, that we have an infinite God, that it should never be attainable for our finite minds to wrap our minds around an infinite God. And the danger, I think, in our world is that many times we try to make God understandable. We try to understand who God is by putting him in a box or thinking that we can understand him. We've got a, I've got a quote real quickly from David Platt. I don't know if you guys can cue this up. It's a little long, but um, this is what he says. He says, we are molding Jesus into our image. This is happening all the time. He says, he's beginning to look a lot like us because after all, that is who we are most comfortable with. The danger now is that when we gather in our church buildings to sing or we lift up our hands to worship, we may not actually be worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. Instead, we might be worshiping ourselves. And so the prayer today is that as we talk about God being unsearchable, that we can shape our mind to believe a God that is unsearchable. So I have three verses that I'll, I'll read, and then we're going to jump into the passage. Psalm 145.3 Again, David says, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise and no one can comprehend his greatness. Can't even understand it. Isaiah 55, eight through nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Romans eleven thirty three through 36, he says, um, Paul writes, Oh, the depth and riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory. Amen. Then in Ephesians 3, Paul also writes that God is able to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. So that's the framework that I want us to put our minds in, is that God is so much bigger than anything we can even fathom. That he is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere, capable of doing anything. 
And that our hope is that today the thought of God being unsearchable will not discourage you, but it will encourage you to worship a God that is that great. So I'm going to invite up my wife, Shannon. She's going to read Psalm 23, and we're going to go through Psalm 23 today. And um, thank you, Shannon, for reading. Give it up for Shannon. Um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Shannon. As I started reading this, um, I really, I really honestly couldn't get past the first four words. I did. I ended up making it past there. But that's really what we're going to focus on this morning. The Lord is my. And I kept reading that and kept comprehending and kept meditating on that thought. The Lord is my. And I thought about David. This is his psalm. This is his testimony. It was super personal. David knew what it was like to be a shepherd. And... Um, he had walked as a shepherd. He had lived as a shepherd. When he wrote this, he was most likely a king. They believe he was a king at this point. But he was remembering what it was like to be a shepherd. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Charles Spurgeon, he writes, he says, he does not say the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large and leadeth forth the multitude of his flock. But the Lord is my shepherd. And if he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. And he cares for me, and he watches over me, and he perseveres me. Jesus is, or Jesus, uh, David is writing this because it is personal, because it is true, because he has put all of his trust, all of his hope, all of his life in Jesus, in God. And he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. All of the promises that we're going to read today are unsearchable. The fact that God has given us these things, that he's extended them to us, are unfathomable because we definitely don't deserve them, but they all hinge on this statement, the Lord is mine. And if the Lord is not your shepherd, my prayer is that today he will be, um, we believe that it's easy, or I think it could be easy, to say the Lord is the Lord, but to say the Lord is my shepherd is a lot different. Um, in Matthew 16, this is what Jesus says to the disciples. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed it to you. You did not learn this from any human being. That there's a difference, right, between knowledge and revelation. There's a difference from saying, oh, you are this person. The people that they were talking about said, oh, the people all think you're something else. But then he says, who do you say I am? And, and Simon answers him, 
He says, you are the son of the living God. And then he goes on to say, he said, my father in heaven has revealed this to you. That praise God, the Lord opens our eyes and our hearts to know him personally. Amen. That Jesus really was a person who lived and breathed and died. We share this with kids all the time around the world. We do Bible studies pretty much at every skate park here in Southwest Florida every week. And this last week we were talking to some kids and there was a debate in, at the Bible study at the skate park. We bring some pizza, we sit down. There's maybe like 20 kids there. And one of the kids was just like, I don't think Jesus is real. And I said, well, what do you think he was? And um, I think a lot of people in the world, they question whether Jesus existed. But the question is, all of us have to answer the question, who is Jesus? And C.S. Lewis once wrote, this is a famous quote of his. He says, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying something really foolish, something that people often say about him, talking about Jesus. He says, I'm ready, or they say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't want to accept his claim to be God. This is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must, take him, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about this man being a great human teacher. He has not left any option open for us for that. That there are no neutral places when following Jesus. That you either believe he really was who he said he was, or you think he's crazy. It's, it's where we have to land. And as we look at this passage today, there are things that are so unbelievable and so unsearchable that God promises. And there's probably more, but I have counted 13 promises in, in six verses in Psalm 23 that we will just kind of walk through today quickly. Um, again, reminding us that none of us have word for these. We definitely don't deserve them. We didn't earn them. We simply just have to follow Jesus as our shepherd. And he promises these things. So first one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He promises us provision. If you guys are taking notes, you can write these down. That God will provide everything we need. We don't need to worry about where our provision is going to come from. It comes from God. I shall not want. I shall not need anything. That God is all I need because I'm following him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What an incredible invitation to rest. Green pastures, maybe not so much in southwest Florida. You might lay down in some fire ants. But if um, you've ever been somewhere in the Midwest that has nice grass, it's real nice to lay down in nice grass, uh, especially in the shade. Um, but God has given us an invitation to rest in what he has done, that he has done the work, and that we get to just lie down and rest. He leads us beside still waters, that we get to take comfort and pleasure in the life that God has for us. John 10.10 10 says that Jesus came that we may have life abundantly and that we, he leads us beside still waters and gives us comfort. He restores my soul, that he provides restoration and brings us back to the place that he intended, the place that Adam and Eve once walked in the garden in perfect communion with him, that God invites us to come back and, provides, and he restores our soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake that David is writing here that God is committed to our growth and our journey, and though it might not be easy, 
that he's creating us and making us and shaping us to be more like him, and that the passive righteousness that might mean that we go through some hard times, he's doing so for his namesake, which gives us purpose that we get to bring God glory in everything that we do. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That God protects us, he watches over us, he guards us, he promises us protection. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is an invitation, as I said at the beginning, this is the VIP treatment. We were joking last night, if asked if any of us have ever got to sit first class. I've had it one time, I've probably flown a million, not a million times, maybe a, maybe a thousand times, if that, probably more like a hundred times. <laughs> But um, one time, because I was flying standby with someone who worked for the airport, I got to go up to first class. And let me tell you, that is like a pre- being in the presence of your enemies as you look back to everyone back in the back of the plane. <laughs> um, this is an invitation to partake in the blessings that God has promised us, that he says that he will give us things that we do not deserve and that he will anoint us and he has chosen us. Just like um, when, King, uh, when the prophet Samuel went to David, he anoints him with oil, he has chosen David. God chose David to be the king that God has chosen and anointed each of us. And then he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That we have provision with mercy and things to look forward to, that God has promised that we have goodness and eternity waiting for him, that our security is in him. And you notice in verse one through three, I noticed this as I was reading this, that Jesus says, he, he makes me lie down, he leads me beside the waters, he restores my soul, he leads me. But do you notice what he says when he gets to the hard times? He says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he goes, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Isn't it interesting how he shifts from talking about God to talking to God? That when we go through hard times, that hopefully we are quick to turn to God and call on his name, but hopefully we are doing so all the time. And John Wesley, a famous pastor and uh, revivalist, once said, he said, we look inward too much and upward too little. I thought that was a good quote. And what he's saying, he says, that obviously we need to look in and we need to look around, but we need to look up more. And with the Lord being our shepherd, the sheep follow the shepherd. And the only way the sheep can follow the shepherd is by keeping their eyes fixed on the shepherd. Then we are laying down or sleeping or eating grass. They take their eyes off the shepherd. The shepherd might wander in front of them and then they have to catch up or the shepherd has to come back and get them. But we need to keep our eyes and our attention and our eyes fixed on Jesus. That God is sovereign and he's control. And this is a thought that I really want us to all think about today is that he doesn't force any of us to follow him. That he calls us, he opens our eyes, and he calls us to have him be his shepherd, and he promises us provision and comfort and rest, protection, direction, blessings, anointings, provision, security, all these things, but he asks us to follow him to make the choice. That he is a good shepherd, and he is so, so worth following. He has pursued us and he has rescued us. His goodness truly is unsearchable. And my prayer today is that that goodness will be the thing that draws us to him. There's two options that can come about from every day that we pray about this. There's the option one, 
that just like uh, C.S. Lewis says in that quote, that we will come to the understanding that we are sheep, that we are foolish, that Jesus really is the Son of God, and that we will fall down at his feet and we will worship him. That we will follow him and that we will recognize him and that we will say, your goodness is so worth it. You love us, you've pursued us, and that you are worth following. Option two is we continue to wander aimlessly like sheep. And uh, I don't know a lot about sheep. I haven't been around sheep a lot. But if you Google sheep, the first thing that you'll read is that they're not that smart. And I think that's a lot like us. It's a lot like me for sure. Um, that we wander. I think about the song uh, that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That we get distracted easy. We get our eyes fixed on other things. We start to think oh, I can do it in my own strength. I can white-knuckle my way through life. We are lost. We are threatened. We are scared. We're at risk. We are sheep. And without a shepherd, we are wandering in the desert or in the wilderness without a shepherd. If you're here today and you cannot say that Jesus is your shepherd, that's the prayer that I have. It's the hope that we have. That's the reason that we gather. We gather to worship. We gather to pray. We gather because hopefully we're on the front lines telling people that and getting beat down by the world. And we come in here on Sunday to be encouraged and to be lifted up and to be motivated to go back out and continue to tell the world that there is someone out there waiting and watching and hoping and praying that they will follow him and that he's a shepherd worth following and so this week, as we gather together in community groups, and then after I share this, maybe the, the worship team could come back up, which it's ended up being a lot shorter. Um, hopefully that's not because I did talk super fast, but probably it is. Um, we're going to ask these questions. And so if you're not in a community group, hopefully you can ask this with a spouse, a friend, maybe call somebody and ask them. But the question, first question is, is the Lord truly your shepherd? He might be your Lord, he might be your God, but is he your shepherd? Are you following him? And if so, does your life reflect that? Sheep hopefully see a shepherd and the other sheep even follow those sheep. And so if, you're, if the Lord is your shepherd, if Jesus is your shepherd, hopefully other people are, are walking with you and that you're moving and you're following Jesus. Can other see, people see you following him? Because following Jesus is what leads to the promises that he's given us. Are you following him because you're hoping for the promises or are you following him because you've caught a small glimpse of how big and how great and how wonderful God is? The fact that he's unsearchable. Then the last question is, does, does the idea, and this is a big one, of an infinite God that is so big that you can't understand, does that scare you? Does it scare you that you can't wrap your mind around the greatness? Are you guilty of putting God in a box and saying, grace is too uncomprehendable for me, so I'm going to try to earn my salvation. I'm going to try to be a good person. I'm going to try to work for it. Or is, is grace something that you're living in? And does God's goodness overwhelm you and make you fall more in love with him? Last week we sang this song, and we're going to sing it again this morning. And it's an old song. In fact, when I sent it to Miguel, he had never even heard of it, which made me feel real old. Um, that's okay. But it's a song called Step by Step. And um, these are the lyrics. And it says, Oh Lord, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. And then he says, I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step, you're leading me, and I will follow you all of my days. That it is a process of learning. 
that, that the Lord being our shepherd, we will be like sheep. I, I believe, even though we will hear his voice and, and hopefully stay closer to him every day that we get on, is that we will continue to be prone to wander. We will be distracted. We will run away. And that step by step, we will learn to walk in his ways and that we will follow him all of our days. And again, if you don't know if the Lord is your shepherd, if you're not following him, and today is a day, as Paul writes, that today is the day of salvation, and you say, I want to make Jesus my shepherd. Our prayer is that you will come talk to us. We'll hang out up here in the front. You guys can come. You can ask questions. We'll pray with you. But to move God from just being something you think about, just a knowledge of something that in your heart you believe, okay, maybe he is real. Maybe God exists, but I want to make God my shepherd. I want to follow him. I want to come after him. That today's the day you'll make that decision. So let me pray, and then we'll sing that song. Thank you guys for listening to me and uh, getting to hear me share this morning. I pray that it'll encourage you as it encouraged me as I read about this passage this week. And um, yeah, so. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that the, uh, the gospel is simple. Lord, I think about that a lot, that um, the thing that you've called us to is not very complicated, to just follow you, to just look at you, to be a foolish sheep, God, that, um, that you've called us and that you are a good shepherd and that you say, your word says that your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. Lord, I pray that every word I said today will be words that ultimately are from you and that, Lord, that we will follow you. God, that we will trust you, that we will realize the promises that you've given us truly are unsearchable, that we can't even fathom how big they are, Lord, and that we will trust you as a shepherd, Lord, that we will walk with you. God, for anyone in this place that doesn't know that, that has never heard your voice, I pray they're hearing it today. I pray that they hear it now, Lord, that you are calling them, that you desire that none shall perish, but all have everlasting life. Lord, that the promises that you've given us are for those that are following for those that have put their hope and trust and faith in you. And the Lord, we can rest in those promises, Lord. So we pray that today will be a day, God, that we can put our faith in you, that every day that we will learn to walk with you, that we will continue to trust in the promises and the direction that you've called us in. Lord, we thank you for doing the work, that it's not something that we've had to work for. Lord, that you are the one. So Jesus, we praise you in everything. It's in your name we pray, amen.